Well, good morning. We are on our way through an adventure of getting to know the heart of the master. Just what is Jesus Christ like? Over the past few weeks, we've taken a few different looks at him so far. We started on Easter Sunday with Jesus Christ on the road to Emmaus, talking with two men. And as he shared with them, their hearts were burning and their eyes were opened. They were thrilled to have gotten to know him. Last week, we talked about the healer's heart. As Jesus Christ reaches down into our lives on a daily basis, sometimes touching the physical, but always touching the spiritual, reaching into the heart. His passion, his goal is for you and me to be different in our hearts, to be more conformed to his image tomorrow than we are today. You know, today we're going to be looking at the teacher's heart. The teacher's heart. As Jesus spends time saying, let me share with you some information. So what does a teacher do? You know, one thing a teacher does is share some information. But a teacher does a lot more than that, right? Those of you who are grammar school teachers and and junior high teachers, you're like, you bet we do a lot more than that, right? There's a lot of shaping that goes on. There's a lot of interacting that goes on. There's joking. There's crying with them. There's being with them and seeing what happens. There's coming alongside of misunderstandings. There was a first grade teacher who was uh, leading and directing her class in an open forum discussion. Hey, what kind of job would you like to have when you grow up? And as she was talking with the class, one of these little boys raises his hands, first grader, right? Raises his hand. He's, he's committed. Like, I know what I want. She says, what is it that you'd want to be? He says, garbage man. She goes, great. Why? They only work on Thursday mornings. Okay. So maybe a little bit off, but we'll work with it, right? That kind of a thing. They work with misunderstandings. Sometimes we chuckle with them and laugh with them. Sometimes we work alongside of them. Other times we might need to correct them, right? Sometimes there is just completely missing the point as we correct them, right? There's this teacher who's teaching a grammar school class and she's trying to make this really good point and she decides to use this obvious story. So she's using the story of the three pigs and she's sharing about how they've got these plans and they're doing these building things and, you know, in the end we kind of know where it's going, right? But she's moving along. She's like, can you imagine when that first pig, he like picks up the wheelbarrow and he moves over and he talks to this farmer and he's like, hey, can I get some of that hay to put into the wheelbarrow? I want to begin to craft a home. What do you think that farmer said to him? And one of the boys raises his hand and says, wow, a talking pig, right? (laughs) Missing the point, right? Come along with me for the ride, right? Sometimes teachers have a tough job as they try to make things clear, as they try to bring people into the story, as they try to work with misunderstandings. Today, we're going to be looking at a time where Jesus Christ was interacting with a couple of different people and a lot of misunderstanding. What does it look like for the heart of the master to come alongside of you and me in our misunderstandings? That's what we're going to find today as we look at Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. The ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got some Bibles. We're just going to be walking through this verse by verse. So if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'd love to get one into your hands, okay? Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. First point here. Jesus lovingly teaches us our own needs. Hear him. Jesus lovingly teaches us our own needs. Hear him. 
What is it we need to recognize about Jesus as the teacher? It's just that. He's lovingly teaching us. Let's dive into this passage and see how. Verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey. Okay, so there's this little phrase that starts it out. But here's the picture. Jesus, the disciples, they're getting up. They're getting ready to move, right? We're heading off to a new city. We're heading off to a new town. We've got another place we're going. We're off. And as he was beginning to set out on the journey, have you ever had one of those moments? Like you're getting ready to go on vacation and the van is all packed and you're getting ready to get into the van and the neighbor comes over and wants to talk about how nice your yard looks or something. You know what I'm talking about? The kind of the momentary interruption where you're like, on a journey, see the van? You know what I mean? Kind of one of those. And Jesus is in that moment, on a journey. And what does he say? This man runs up and kneels before him and begins to ask questions. So you just got to picture it. Jesus is getting ready to move. We're seeing this whole mass start to move. Jesus is heading in front of him. The disciples are coming with. And in comes a man bolting. He's running. It's like, "Uh uh-oh, he's leaving the city. This is my shot. I better catch him now. So he runs in and he dives to his knees before him. And now he's before before him on his knees and he begins to plead and ask him. Okay, a few things we need to know. First it says, a man. Well, we have a couple of other passages of scripture in Matthew uh, verse, chapter 19, verse 20, and in Luke 18, 18, the same story is being addressed. And there we're told a little bit more about the man, a rich young ruler, if we put it all together amongst the three, okay? So we've got a male rich young ruler who's coming in and falling on his, on his knees before Jesus Christ, right before he's ready to leave. Now we need to hear that. And for us, we're like, okay, fine. So we've identified who it is. But a rich ruler just threw himself on his knees Like the Jews would have gone, he what? Right? We kind of have to do the, it's one of those moments. That's what we're supposed to hear when we hear this, okay? So he's thrown himself on his knees and he's beginning to plead. They have no business pleading. He's a rich young ruler. What's he doing? This was an awe-inspiring moment for everyone. It says that he knelt before him and he asked him, here we go, good teacher. Okay, little Jewish information. We never refer to a teacher and put the word good in front of it. That's a bozo no-no, okay? You know what I'm talking about? That's like the, we don't do that. And Jesus will address it in just a second. We address only God as good. When we're talking about people, he's good, okay? So teacher, okay. Rabbi, okay. Every once in a while, people begin to start throwing these adjectives in there. And let me tell you, this is what they're saying. I'm not exactly sure who all you are, but it's more than just a man. Is it prophet? Is it Messiah? Is it? He's starting to wrestle with the identity of Christ. He's tipping his hand, okay? So he throws himself on his knees and he says, good teacher. Question for you. What must I do to inherit eternal life? To inherit eternal life. See, this is a rich man. How did he get his riches? Probably not self-made millionaire, okay? Usually it was inherited. Usually the family did really well and it was passed along. And as it was passed along, you continued to do well in the business. And then, and then you would pass it along to your kids. Inheritance was the way to pass on wealth. And he's probably heard this talk from Jesus Christ, these sharings that he's had of things being turned a bit upside down. And what I understand of the way things are going and what I understand of the law and what I understand of riches and all the rest seems to be being challenged by this guy. And I'm kind of I'm interested what he has to say. So he throws himself at his knees. I am deeply in need of this information. 
in, in inheriting eternal life, how, how does it work? How does it work? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? He's addressing the very first issue we've got. You've come very close to just calling me God. So he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Notice he doesn't say, it's very inappropriate for you to call me good. I'm not God. That's not what he's saying, right? What he's saying is, okay, you've used that adjective. Was that appropriate? I'm waiting, right? It's one of those moments as he's beginning to deal with, who do you think I am? What do you think is going on? Christ is beginning to address the heart right away. The powerful teacher question. That's his thing. Question, right? We think of teachers often as lecturers, but I'm telling you, the power of a question in the right moment to get the mind thinking, to get the heart stirred. He says, good teacher? Good? That's supposed to be for God. Still want to stand on that? As he steps forward, he says, no one is good except God alone. Now he starts in verse 19, and here's where we have to be really careful. He's been asked about inheriting eternal life. He answers, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Okay, is Jesus saying, hey, I'm telling you how to inherit eternal life. Do the following list of five or six commands and you're good. Is that what he's saying? That's not what he's saying. He didn't put those words there. He said, you know the commandments. He's starting in with the man, right? So we've got commandments. How are you doing on them? All right, that's kind of what's going on. So this, look at this list for a moment. Notice this list of commandments. These are all the commandments that have to do with one another kind of things, okay? Do not murder. Like, don't kill one another. Do not commit adultery. Faithfulness in your marriage. Do not steal. Taking from one another. Do not bear false witness. Lying about one another. Do not defraud. Trying to steal with the use of the word. Honor your father and mother. How are you doing with people? That's what he's saying, okay? The guy says, how do I inherit eternal life? And he says, how are you doing with people? And the guy says, maybe somewhat arrogantly, but he says, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Okay, let's all say, wow, okay? Wow, really? You've done all this from your youth. Yeah, wow, okay? This guy's got a pretty high view of himself, but I have to tell you, most Jews would have taken these six rules here and they'd have gone after him with everything they had. So basically he was saying, hey, you know the top five or six list. How are you doing on those? He said, well, I've been focusing on those. I've been doing pretty good on those, you know? And Jesus says, great, good for you. Another question for you. Uh-oh, right? So here's the question, he says. Jesus looking at him loved him. Jesus looking at him loved him. Okay, we have to picture this for a moment. This word looking at it doesn't mean that Jesus just kind of glancing around and his eye caught him. It's the same as last week. It's this moment where Jesus' gaze just drills into the man. So can you picture it? Jesus is standing there, disciples all around him, rich man at his knees, and he looks at him and he's just penetrating in with this look. And just a wealth of love for this man overwhelms him as he wants to care for him, as he wants to nurture him as he wants to reach into his life and make an impact and a difference. Jesus looked at him 
and he loved him. And the loving teacher said these words, you lack one thing. Ouch. You lack one thing. He says, go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have measure, treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Okay. So sell everything you got, follow Jesus, now you're good. Okay. Is this a call to poverty? Is this a call to, a call to the ascetic movement? Like, let's beat on ourselves, let's have nothing, let's give all to everybody else in need. What's he saying here? What's really going on? We always have to look in between kind of the threads of what Jesus is saying. Because this is not a direct command of, let me just tell you that there's seven things. You've got six. I'm sorry you missed the seventh. The seventh is sell everything. This isn't a list of activities, okay? What he's saying is, I just got done a few chapters earlier in Matthew 6, 24 saying, you cannot serve both God and money. I just got done saying that treasures will distract you and you are all about your earthly physical treasure. You as a rich man have grabbed on tight and have held to the money. And that's your security blanket, not me. And that's a problem. He's saying you need to dump the idol and pick up worshiping the God of the universe. It's about time for you to learn that God and money don't go together. Drop your money. Now, Is this a call that every single one of us then, now we are prescribed to sell everything we have? Is that what is going on here? That's not what's going on here. He's prescribing very specifically into the heart of the rich young ruler that he does have a massive idol problem. You have checklisted caring for each other, but you have forgotten about your relationship with God Almighty. You have chosen to make your God money and possessions. And in the midst of that, you are wrestling. You don't have a warm relationship with me because you have a warm relationship with your money. It's time to let go and begin to embrace God with everything you've got. The teacher just shared something. Notice what he did not say. Things he did not say. He did not say, well, I certainly appreciate you're on your knees. This is a very nice start. And hey, you've given it a great shot with these other four or five commandments that you've been following. And I agree with you. You've been doing pretty well. I'll give you that. Hey, kudos to you, man. You're doing well, you know. And hey, I'd really like to say to you, honestly, I'd like a lot of you to begin to be at least as much like this. And, and you know, really the high encouragement and lift them up. And, and then is, is there anything I need to do? You know what? I just I really don't want to offend you. Let's just leave it. You're doing pretty good, right? The loving teacher shared the tough word. The loving teacher shared a word that challenged the heart. And the man's response, verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. What happened to this man? He came in pleading that there could be something he could do to manage his eternal life. And he found out No, it's a relationship with God Almighty that manages your eternal life. Come embrace the God of the universe and drop your possessions. It is time for you to learn that it's not the last five commandments of the Old Testament. It's not those commandments, the caring for the the one another's. It's the go after God with all you've got piece you're missing. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You got part B. Part A, how are you doing with love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind? You know, Jesus challenges us to sell all. He challenges us to go after him with all we've got. Does it mean that we literally have to live in poverty? Some actually interpreted it that way over the centuries. That's a mistaken interpretation. It is about serving him first. It is about getting rid of any idol in your life that's distracting. It is absolutely that if you have issues, wherever it is, what about something other than money, relationships, job? What is it that you're going after that is so much more important to you than Jesus Christ that that's what's on your lips each day? What is it with you or with me that our heart beats after harder than knowing him and knowing him personally and passionately? That's the question that was being asked. That's the question that's being asked of us today. As we meet the heart of the master, as he peers into our lives personally and deeply and lovingly, as he shares the tough word, what is Jesus asking you to give up so that you can grab onto him? We all are kind of holding on to things in this world. I'd love to say that we could actually permanently on, in this world grab onto him with all we had and be there, but we usually experience a letting go and grabbing onto something else, and now it's time to let go of that and grab back onto him. It's realigned with him. What's your distraction? It's time to let it go. It's time to give him all you've got. It's time to hear the teacher's loving challenge of change. That's the first piece here, okay? He is a loving teacher. Hear him. He is a loving teacher. Hear him. The second point, Jesus authoritatively teaches us about eternal life. Trust him. He authoritatively teaches us about eternal life. Trust him. Not just hear him now, but trust him. Listen to the words and respond with all we've got. Check this out. Verse 23. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, can you imagine being one of those disciples in that moment where he's just gotten done speaking with this man? This man has just gotten down on his knees before him. He has just addressed him directly and firmly and powerfully. And in the midst of addressing him that way, that man stands up and walks away with shoulders rolled down, dejected, kind of scuffing the dirt. And the crowd sort of moves aside so that there's room for him to go through. And now Jesus turns back and we're one of the disciples standing over there. What's the first thing you do? Where do you look? When he looks back and he looks this way, you look down, right? You're like, man, you know, you start whistling a little bit. You're like, I'm not bringing that on me right now. You know what I mean? That was a moment of really uncomfortable challenge and I'm not really interested in being number two. So we're kind of sitting there quietly and you're going, man. And so Jesus addresses the hearts of the disciples. And as he reaches out to them, he now says to them with as much compassion how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, we have to be so careful with this passage, don't we? Because we could walk out of here saying, I don't know, you know, I was in church today and I pretty much heard if you've got a good chunk of money, you're not going to heaven. Like, wow, what a mistake in hearing it, okay? What it's saying is how difficult, not not, it's, it has to be get rid of the wealth to get there. How difficult. Well, what's so difficult about it? Let's think from a Jewish mindset for a moment. 
Deuteronomy chapters 28 through 30, all about blessings and cursings, okay? This is when the law is being issued out for the second time. It's being made very clear, okay? How do you get along with the God of the universe? How do you relate to him? How do you interact with him? You do the right things, he'll bless you, okay? So here's what they've heard for years and years and decades and centuries. Deuteronomy 28 verse 8, do the right things, I will bless you. I will bless your land. I will bless your barns. I will bless everything about you. You will have stuff. So what they did is they turned around now and they looked at people who had stuff and they said, must be blessed, right? So now we've got this moment where there, every time we see a rich person, we go, apparently Deuteronomy 28, blessing occurred here. So we have blessed person. So must be in alignment with God. Uh-oh, hear the mix now? Now all of a sudden we flipped the recipe. And we're saying now, so if you have money, you are blessed. See, it doesn't say that. It says that basically, if you were trusting in God and following, he will bless you. But the curse is that sometimes we actually are allowed to get tripped up by our own blessing. And some of these people ended up with stuff that got in their way. And over the course of centuries and inheritances down, people were ending up with things, not because they were following him, but just because it got passed along. And all of a sudden, the physicals of the world were what everybody was looking at. Are you rich? Then you must be in, okay? That's kind of the way they were going with things. If you're rich, you must be blessed. If you're blessed, you must be with God. If you're with God, you're in. So if you're rich, you're in. Do you hear it? Uh Uh-oh, we got a problem going on. Jesus is saying that's not what's happening. He says, I'm telling you that distraction is high. He covered it in Matthew 6, 24 when he said, can't serve both God and money. He covers it in other passages all over the place. I mean, we have it in 1 Timothy where he talks very clearly there about the distractions of money and idols. We have to be so cautious about how we serve our God and what we go after. He says how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 24, and the disciples were amazed. It was one of those where you're looking down and Jesus says it and you go, what? That is completely not true. I know what Deuteronomy 28 says. What is he talking about? And all of a sudden the buzz is kind of going on, you know. Did you think that? I didn't think that's true. I don't. And so now they're sitting there listening. He's got their attention as he's talking, right? And the disciples were amazed. Jesus then said to them again, children. Okay, now in our setting today, this would probably be a mildly offensive moment, right? He's taking adults and he's saying, you children, right? We'd end up thinking of that badly. But this was a very endearing moment. As he's beginning to say, it's my responsibility to nurture and care for you. I love you. You could almost picture him putting his arms around him as he's saying it. Children, here's something we need to learn. He's basically bringing an endearing moment to it as he's saying, I love you so much that I want to train you on this. I need you to hear this with all you've got. Please hear me. Here's the facts. Children how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God, period. Big exclamation point. How difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, just a little note on this verse, all right? So if you've been around the Christian church, the evangelical church for a while, you've heard this little rumor going around that maybe there was this gate that was kind of short and the camel had to get down on his knees to crawl through it and it was called the eye of the needle. Okay, it actually turns out there was a, a gate called the eye of the needle, but it was actually created in the medieval era, like 14, 1500s, okay? Realistically, what he's really saying here, and you see it come up right after it, he's talking about the camel and the eye of the needle, and their answer is after that, then who can be saved, 
okay? He's really saying it's impossible. What he's doing, you could probably picture the teacher doing something like this. The great teacher is looking around and he's trying to make a moment and he, and he goes, it's like, and there's a giant camel sitting there, right? And you see him just chewing, you know what I mean? You've seen a camel, ugly face, you know, and they're doing that, that thing. He's like, it's like a camel trying to get through the eye of a needle. He's saying, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. That's what he's saying. Do you understand the kingdom of God? It's not going to be, I earn it. Do you understand, guys? If we put the commandments in front of us, I'm telling you, it's like trying to shove that beast through this hole. Are you getting it? And at the moment, they're kind of like, no, I'm not getting it, right? That's kind of their answer. So look what he says. He says, uh, they were exceedingly astonished, verse 26. Before they were amazed, they were like, oh, new thought. Now they're exceedingly astonished. What are you talking about? The kingdom can't, it's like shoving that hairy beast through a little hole. What are you talking about? We're saying it's not even possible. Now you're telling me nothing is doable. How do we get through to the kingdom of God? In other words, I got a follow-up question. Then who can be saved? Then who can be? Who can be? What's the answer? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, this man asked about internal life. And he was left with a challenge. You got to sell out to Jesus Christ. A passionate heart for him. Love the Lord your God. And the Lord will do the work. Well, what work is that? You know, in this moment, his challenge is here are that they recognize the toughness of the situation and the need for a Savior. You see, right now, they're kind of doing the, yeah, we're really not on the Savior kick, we're on the Messiah kick. We're looking for a king, we're going to pretty much handle our own lives in the eternal life thing by doing the good works. So we got that covered. And he goes, well, just so you know, you pretty much got as much shot at getting the hairy beast through a little tiny hole. Are we getting the picture? And all of a sudden, they're going, no. Okay, I'm starting to get on it. You're telling me I can't do it. So now which way am I going? I think I'm headed towards, so now I have to trust in God somehow. Yes, now you're getting it. Oftentimes we say it this way. Salvation, eternal life, it's not easy. But it's as simple as A, B, C. Have you ever heard that phrase before? It's not simple, but it's as easy as A, B, C. So let's write it out, okay? A, it means accept that I'm a sinner. A-C-C, okay? It means admit that I'm a sinner, not the accept like E-X-C, okay? <laughs> accept that I'm a sinner. Admit it. What does sinner mean? It Basically, biblically, it means I have tried to shoot for that target and I have come up short. I have hit the sand in front of the target. I've missed. And there's a gap between me and the target. I have sinned. I shot an air ball. That's what it means to come up short, right? So the modern day sports term would be airball, okay? So I'm sitting at a point where I've come up short and that's what we need to admit. Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, not one. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We need to accept and admit our position before him as coming up short. We also need to accept that there's a penalty for that. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from him. 
So we sit in a position where all mankind has made a mistake. All mankind comes up short. All mankind owes a penalty of eternal separation. No one has a relationship with him. Yep, that's what we need to admit. A. B. We need to believe. We need to believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross and rose again, and that his shed blood makes a replacement payment for you and for me available. Romans 3.25, that if we have faith in his blood, we can actually have a replacement payment made. The big word, propitiation. But we can have a replacement payment made for us. While we owe eternal separation, God will pay for us through Christ's blood. And so the holy, righteous God of the universe, demanding payment, lovingly and mercifully pays it himself at the cross. And we have a relationship with him offered. So A, I admit, I accept that I need that Savior. B, I believe in him and all that he's done on the cross and his shed blood. And C, I confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I lay it out publicly. I say it not just to him, which we need to do. Lord, please forgive me. Please use your shed blood as a replacement payment. Please come into my life. I want you apart. I'm giving you my all. Use your shed blood to forgive what I owe for all eternity. Confess. It's not easy because it involves the heart coming before him. But it's as simple as A, B, C. The gospel message. The truth. How do we get to heaven? How do we spend an eternal life with him? It just isn't about works. It just isn't about how good you tried this week or how, did, how good you did last week. It isn't that. It's who do you know and how well do you know him? Have you given your life to him? It's as simple as ABC. You know, the world sells three, easily three different kinds, tons more, but I put the top three modern myths of salvation, okay? Some things we need to keep in mind. Number one, the more open-minded you are or tolerant you are, the more loving you are. So the best way probably to spend an eternal life is, you know what, just basically understand that everybody's going to try their own way and there's not just one way. And, well, that's really not Jesus, the great teacher's message when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Hard message, but a loving message because he cares for our hearts and he's looking to bring us to him. You know, a second one people go to is just more good works. Just pour it on. I'm going to try as hard as I can. And I guess at the end, I'm hoping that I got more good than bad. And then God will let me in. Like, that's not what it says. For by grace are we saved through faith. And it is not of ourselves. It is not of works. Otherwise, we could boast. It's not about the works. It's about knowing him with our faith, with our trust in him. One way will work. Any way will work. Just commit to one. That's one I hear a lot nowadays. Well, they may not be trying Jesus, but at least they're trying something and they're really trying to be faithful to it. Doesn't work. Again, I am the way, the truth, the life. It's as simple as ABC, but it means laying it all before him. Question, where are you with Christ? Are you the rich young ruler who's standing up and walking away dejected, hearing what you're hearing? Are you the disciples who are amazed and astonished and your head still spinning? Or are you ready to give it all to him? Many of us already have. But if you're here today and you have not made a commitment to Jesus Christ, now's the time. 
we serve a loving Savior with a masterful heart for compassion, for healing, and for teaching. He loves you with all he's got. And while what he's sharing is tough because it challenges the heart, it is loving because it's the truth of what's needed in your life. Let's just take a moment right now. Everybody bow your heads. Everybody bow your heads. This is essential that we move through this. I would be so remiss if we didn't do this, okay? Let's just take a moment here. If you're in that spot where you're going, I have not made a commitment to him. I have not prayed what you're talking about. I haven't done this ABC thing. Now's your time. Let's make today the date and time for a time you committed your life to Christ. If you're interested in doing that, I'm going to pray out loud. You just pray after me quietly to yourself, okay? Just pray after me these words. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being the loving God of the universe. I recognize that I am not perfect. Please forgive me for not being perfect. I know that I owe eternal separation from you. Please use your shed blood to forgive my sins. Please replace my payment with what Jesus did. I confess you as my Lord. I give you my life. I am not just hearing you. I am trusting you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, it's not just about magic words, okay? It's not that. I say this all the time. It's not a magic mantra. It's about the heart of it all. But if you did pray that, we, please come and talk to me afterwards. Talk to any one of the pastors. Talk to anybody who's got a badge on it. They'll get you directed to the right person. I want to talk with you, okay, if you've made that commitment. And we do have uh, at the back of the information table, we've got a little bag back there. If you've made a first-time commitment, or even if you're thinking about it, take a look at those, that bag. There's great information there about how to continue on in this commitment. It's all about knowing him. It's all about hearing him. And it's all about trusting him with all we have. That's what it's about, okay? So first, we have a God who loves us so much that he teaches even the tough truth. Second, we have an authoritative God who shares about eternal life, and we need to trust him with all we have. And third, we have a Jesus who passionately teaches the call, follow him. You see, it's not just about a commitment for the day and then we move on. It's about following him with all we've got. A passionate teaching that calls us to him for a lifetime, a lifetime of change and impact and joy and pleasure. Jesus speaks to that lifetime call here, and he gets pretty passionate, okay? It starts out with Peter uh, being a doofus, all right? So let's just be honest, okay? So Peter's just watched this whole thing go down. He's just watched all this confrontation happen. He's watched the rich young man walk away. He's watched the disciples be challenged. And Peter's answer to the whole thing is, uh, well, see us? We left everything and followed you. <laughs> Aren't we awesome? Can you hear it? Like, he's starting to do that. Can I pat myself on the back enough? You know, that kind of a thing. He's doing that. Hey, I'm following you. I've given it up. What's for us? Does that mean we got the eternal life thing? Okay. So Jesus answers, truly. All right. If Jesus ever answers you this way, be aware that you probably have some adjusting to do. Okay. That's the best way I can say it. Okay. Truly passion starting to come out. Can you hear it in him? 
He's saying, this is fact. I need you to know this. This is something you're going to need to grasp. Truly, here's where we are. Truly. Now he follows through. I say to you, now there's a long phrase here and we're going to have to piece it together. So bear with me, all right? There is no one, it's a double negative. There is no one who has, blah, 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 blah. We'll get to that in a second. No one who has, who will not receive. Can you hear it? No one who will not receive. So everybody will receive it. Okay, we're hearing it. So now that we know that, let's go back. This is what's fact. Those who have left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel will receive hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Okay? So what Jesus just said is, hey, Peter, way to be pumped. Hey, Peter, you're getting it. It's about commitment. And yes, commitment will bring some stuff, both here and then. There will be a a loss here. I mean, right at this point in time, he's talking to Jewish people where when you decided to commit to Jesus Christ, when you decided to follow something other than straight Jewish law, you were going to be pushed out by your family. You would lose. There was going to be loss. We really don't experience that as much today right now in America. You know what I mean? But back then it was, you accept this, boom. There's rejection from the family, okay? So that's a lot what was going on. There was some struggles that were happening that you might lose family on this. But know this, you will gain brothers and sisters. You will gain relationships in the body of Christ that will be all about rallying around you. Don't you worry about lands and hospitality and care. Don't you worry about it. There will be a unique new body formed like you can't imagine. Amen? That's what it's about. There will be a relationship had for you that will change this world for you. It will rock your world. And it isn't about blood relationship. It is about the blood of Jesus Christ relationship. Do you understand? It is about a relationship that will change everything you've got as people rally around you and you rally around them. Caring for each other. Going after the things of God with the same heart of passion like we do here. Going hard after a relationship with Jesus Christ. You will gain brothers and sisters and mothers and lands and house you will be cared for trust me but in a whole different way and by the way with persecutions the little wake-up call for peter okay what peter did not hear is yes give it all up and you'll get this with persecution what he heard is give it all up and you'll get this with persecution that's what peter heard that was the rocking little phrase for him hang on i thought there was benefit here do you know what i'm saying that was the momentary thing All of a sudden he's like, really? What's that all about? And Jesus is basically saying, welcome to servanthood. Let me explain a little bit to you. He closes it out. And in the age to come, eternal life. That's the beauty. We got eternal life coming. Verse 31, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. It is absolutely 100% all about spending the time with our Savior, knowing Him. And as we do, we have a relationship with Him here on earth that can change us and grow us. And we've got eternal life coming where we get to see the King reign eternal, immortal, invincible for all eternity and a relationship had in the midst of that. The passionate heart of Jesus comes alongside, seeing into us, loving us, sharing the tough word of change with us, calling us to a whole new way of life and passionately sharing that truth with us as we walk along. 
you and I have a chance to experience the Almighty God who spoke the stars into existence, who spoke this world into existence. He is omnipresent, meaning He is right here with us, right next to you, right with you. And He knows exactly what you need. And He's calling out to you. He wants you to hear Him. He wants you to trust Him. And He wants you to follow Him. He wants you to follow Him. Our passionate Savior, passionately teaching, calling us to follow Him. How are you doing? Are you ready to hand your lives over and go hard after a following of Him? To be able to respond to a tough teaching and to be able to say, fine, then I need to adjust and change. I'm going with you, Lord. I want to be with you. You know, I got a phone call. Actually, kind of back it up one second. I had my senior pastor when I was up north at Harvest Naperville come to me and give me a name and say, will you please make this call? I already had like 75 phone calls to make that week and I was doing the, um, the wine thing, you know. Come on serious? This person doesn't attend our body and I've got a ton of problems. Can I get to it next week? No, it has to be this week. Could you make it? No, I have a lot to do. Me too. You know, those kinds of talks where you're really whining the whole time. So, and then I finally realized I needed to grow up a little bit. So I took the note and said, okay, I'll make a call. What's going on? She's got some struggles. Okay, fine. I'll make the call. Prayed over it. Let it go for a day and a half. Ended up making a phone call to her. And as I talked with her, this is what she said. My uh, nephew passed away. I don't know anything about his life and, and how, I just know he was a great kid. I know he had a lot on the ball. I know he was serious about church and all that stuff. I just don't, he died. I don't get who God is. He's not loving. No way does he do that. I'm not for it. What am I missing? And we're on the phone, you know? So I thought listening might be a, a good move. So I continued to ask questions and, and I prayed for her first. I said, let me just pray for you and then you just tell me where you're at. And she talked for about a half hour just telling me where she was at, hurting, sharing, pouring into me. And the whole time I'm going, Lord, you tell me what you want shared. You tell me where you want this to go. And as I listened to her and heard from her, I can tell you this. Her heart was stuck on one thing. God isn't fair. Okay? And so we had a little talk about fair, and it started like this. I've got an answer for you, but it may not be the answer you're thinking you want to hear. Do you still want to hear it? Well, do you think it's true? Oh, I know it's true, yes. Well, then I want to hear it. Are you sure? Because it's tough truth, but it's real truth. She goes, then I want to hear it. I said, okay, let's walk through this. Let's talk about what God created and what he's responsible for. And we talked about how he created everything in perfection and that evil was not his design. That was our choosing. The evil was his creation, choosing to go their own way and do their own thing and bring in their own hurts and cause the pain that hurt others and hurt themselves. So what we need to say is the world of hurt that's going on is something we need to own. Death was not a design he had. Pain was not a design he had. That's what came in with the decision makings we had. Do you see what I'm saying? And I shared some verses with her in that. And she began to cry and she said, you're saying that this world of hurt hurt my nephew. And I have to own part of that because I've sinned. I've made some mistakes. I said, wow, that was really well stated, <laughs> you know? And I said, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. But let me ask you a question. Do you know who Jesus Christ is? Have you ever heard a phrase like, have you, do you have a personal relationship with him? No, never heard that. 
So I walked through a gospel message with her and I just shared some verses that I shared here, Romans 3.10 and Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23. And we just walked down it and I said, have you ever made a commitment where you said, God, I know I've made mistakes and I'm not perfect. I know I owe separation from you for eternity, but I want to be with you. Please forgive me. I want to start to get things right with you. Please use your shed blood to forgive me. Will you please forgive me? She stopped and she said, I've never done that. I said, well, how would you feel about making today a time where you could write date, time, and all and say, I've made my commitment to the Lord. I'm going after him with everything I've got. She said, I would love to do that. And so I led in a prayer and she followed and she accepted Jesus Christ as her savior. And at the end, she was weeping with joy. She had called spitting nails of anger, but she heard the very words of God, the loving words from him of what really was going on. She responded to the passionate truth of Jesus Christ and she followed after him with all she had. She gave it to him right there. And as her heart broke and as the tears shed, I said, do me one favor. She said, what's that? I said, call a friend. Who is it we're gonna rally around you? Who can you tell? She goes, I know exactly who to tell. The person who gave me the name of your church. I'm calling him and I tell him what's going on. I said, great, do that. Let me know what happens. So she hangs up. She calls, talks to the friend. I get a call about six minutes later. And the friend's like, what did you say? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I've been talking to her for eight years and she refused to hear anything. I'd get one step in and she'd say, I don't want to hear that gospel stuff. What did you say? I said, I didn't say anything, really. It isn't that. She just had some hurts going on that made God seem intolerable. And we just talked about the hurt and we talked about the truth of the hurt. That's all we did. It was God's words, her heart, his scripture. I just listen, man. Don't give me that kind of credit. Don't do that. And he goes, I'm just telling you, God touched a life today. That woman is completely different. I talked to her every day for eight years. That's a different heart right now. So, well, praise God, you know, just do me a favor. Let's get her into a church. <laughs> Where is she going? And so we talked that out and he began to work on something that would be close to her geographically and we got her directed that way. The question is this, how are you doing with your view of God? Tyrant? Hurtful? He's not thinking about me the right way. There's probably some truth in the midst of that we have to touch on that involves some responsibility we have to take. Are you ready to embrace him? Hear the tough truth and go after him with all you've got? Life with him for all eternity. It's not about how hard we work. It is about falling to our knees, turning our hands upward and just saying, I give you my life. Please, Use your shed blood to forgive me. I'm trusting you with all I have. You're in charge. You're my Lord. Follow him with all you've got. Hear him, trust him, follow him. He's our king. He is our passionate, teaching, loving king. Amen? That's a God to go after. His heart of teaching to step into our lives and share the tough truth no matter what it takes.